Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit W2Mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. Hello, and welcome to a special edition of Soccer to the Max. And Eric, you know, I thought when we we had this idea of, okay, let's just do a show for the the Champions League draw, the UEFA Champions League draw, I should note. And now we'll talk about that. You know, I didn't think, oh, the US national team was going to release their roster on the same <laughs> day. And we're going to have more information on what's going on with potential more big transfer news. So, like, we basically just have a whole nother episode for you. Uh, two episodes in one week uh, for everybody here. Uh, you enjoyed la- you know the show from Wednesday morning, or if you watched uh, live on on Tuesday night. So this is more of a late night thing. I'm not expecting anybody to be watching live right now. Hey, uh, if if you do wind up watching later on YouTube, uh, do appreciate that either way. And of course, uh, we are a part of WTNet.com and also in partnership with Last Word on Soccer. Uh, possibly last word on uh, world football as well. Thanks to them for allowing us to be on their uh, audio feed as well on on the Podbean, the last word uh, radio. And of course, if you're this first time you're listening, you, you maybe you don't have time to watch, but you have time to listen later. We are available on pretty much all those audio places, podcast places you can imagine. Uh, you know, if you've heard of an audio place, we're pretty much probably there. If we're not on an audio place that you prefer to listen to, let let us know. Either leave a drop in the comments there or just uh, hit us up at Squid Sportshead for Eric on Twitter. I'm at WTMSean. Or you can just do the old email, WTMNetwork at gmail.com and leave us there. So Champions League draw happened right off the bat, Eric. We just, we have, my my headline from this is, even if we don't have a Cristiano Ronaldo move to Manchester City, which is still a little bit in doubt because of the now uh, fortified offer, you could call it a a bigger offer from Real Madrid for Kylian Mbappe. There's still that rumor floating around of PSG, if they did let Mbappe go, would want to look at Ronaldo and Giorgio Mendes did fly to Paris and talk to PSG as well. So that is out there, and it's a possibility that we could still have your rumor, Eric, of Ronaldo, Messi, and Neymar all playing together happening. But, okay, let's let's go with the scenario that at this point seems more likely, right, of, mm-hmm. of Ronaldo going to Manchester City. Obviously, the huge headline, I think, out of this entire draw is the fact that Manchester City PSG rematch from uh, last year. Two teams that you're wondering if you're going to see them again in the, in the final playing in the group stage. Not once, but now they're they're playing twice. How do you feel uh, about that? Just right off the bat, getting that huge game. I mean, with all the talk about Champions League and wanting to see blockbuster matches, that Group A draw, you couldn't have asked for anything better. Because, yes, all the sources are now saying this deal with Man City and Ronaldo is just about done. He's talking with other Portuguese players at City, 
getting the lay of the land. So I, you put it the best way. If that does happen, it's like this is the direction the soccer gods really want to go. Giving us Ronaldo versus Messi one last time. We know potentially twice. And the way that both clubs are really set up, Pep Guardiola, top brass at PSG, they say this is our crown jewel. We're going to make the push to win. So maybe this in a sort of a final, it would be for fantastic soccer and fantastic television. I'm here for it. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, we shouldn't underestimate here also is that last year when Jesse March was the head of RB Salzburg, he almost got them. I mean, obviously, he's just the coach. He wasn't Mm -hmm. playing on on the pitch. But he almost got them through. Now you have a better set of players, obviously, better talent that you're playing against uh, in that group A. But don't sleep on RB Leipzig. You know, obviously, this is played throughout the year. So it's not like we're just playing a bunch of games once and being done with it. You don't know what the the forms are going to be in. I wouldn't sleep on Leipzig possibly uh, being a a solid contender all the way throughout and making City and PST sweat for that second spot. Yeah, I mean, if it comes down, say we're at the final match day, Dreamag match day six, Leipzig is in the mix and one of those two teams are teetering and you've got one, if not both matches, helping determine who gets second, who gets third. Leipzig could indeed pull something off because of how they've grown and, again, their talent infusion, everything else. So it's one of those things to keep an eye out for. Hopefully, when you get towards the second half of the group stage, Leipzig are still in it. Because, again, that would be another sleeper. Great storyline to see, all right, what's going to happen here. And then if they do squeak in, one of those two giants now moving down to the Europa League, then what? That would be insane to think about, right? Like Man City or PSG uh, moving down to to that. Would they still like think about it the same way? Would they would they put the same amount of uh, care when you're moving down to the next rung in the the Europa League if if you don't make it through? So that, to me, is uh, something uh, to watch out for. But, I mean, obviously, you want to have that Ronaldo-Messi matchup. Mm-hmm. You know, and not to get skitsy at once, but twice. But if you don't, I still think, like, PSG getting to have a little bit of revenge. You get Messi going against his old coach in Guardiola. I mean, there's just so much juiciness there with with those two. Um, and sorry, Club Brews. You know, they make up the group. Yeah. Not much else to say. Yeah, I mean, they could get a couple points here and there, but really for Club Rouge, this could make a better case for the Beneliga coming up with uh, Belgium and the Netherlands. It's like, hey, you see, we're here and we can do this. If we had a little bit better around us, we could make that similar sort of noise. Yeah, definitely. So what's a uh, headline for you coming out of this Champions League draw? Like, what's something else that either you're looking forward to or you think is really intriguing? I can't say 
I'm looking forward to half of this, but I've got my eye on groups E and F. With group E, Bayern Munich, Barcelona. We all remember the 8-2. That whole shambles. Now, a Barcelona without Messi, are they going to be up and have what they need to extract that little bit of revenge? We know they're going to be motivated for it. Or is Byron just going to go ahead and potentially rub it in their face twice? Yes, we are your bogey team. We're going to be making these runs. Your glory days are done. Well, I mean, Byron's already <laughs> made them feel the pain uh, in the past already. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what it is, it's more about Byron has looked uh, has looked human at times uh, already in, in the league. Are they going to be getting better under their new manager as the league progresses? Or because of, we have seen the German, we have seen the Bundesliga get better mm-hmm. uh, this season, but they're still obviously the top dogs. They're going for that 10th title in a row. And if they're able to, let's say, once again, not have to focus so much on the league and be able to just really push into, uh, focusing a lot on the Champions League, it just—I think to me—it depends so much on what Barcelona are you going to have at that point. They still have many weeks to go to figure it out. Memphis has come on and immediately been a factor from the beginning, and can he continue to do that? Uh, can Griezmann finally? I think Griezmann, I think, still needs to find his footing of where he fits best in this squad. Honestly, for me, and I think you know, in the you got to figure out who your front guys are going to be. But just like another team, I think we're going to we're going to talk about Barcelona are very, very, very skeptic at the back. And that's where Bayern oh, yeah. really absolutely just take this whole, this entire group and just absolutely demolish through it. And Barcelona just kind of is the default number two. Uh, but honestly, I would say, I think Benfica have a chance uh, to kind of be a little bit of an underdog. I watched their uh, two legs that they played in that entire second leg almost for a huge that match. They had to be a man down. And they defended and defended and defended well. And they were able to sneak in. When you'd think, okay, that means immediately we we should have lost that game to PSV uh, Eindhoven and PSB should have been the team that's here. The Benfica held their own and were very, very uh, formidable still with the 10 men. So I, I definitely think you, you need to be careful with just totally saying this is a Bayern Barcelona thing. I think Benfica could definitely, um, if Barcelona are careful, sneak up on them as well. I just don't know enough about Dino Kia to really give uh, much of a thought there. Interesting, interesting group to have. The, the two classic um, basic rivals at this point between Bayern and Barca with how many times they have faced each other in the Champions League. Speaking of old rivals, I think we can't go through uh, this without talking about what is Group B, which, you know, is kind of already being called the group of death. You have Atletico de Madrid, Spanish champions, Liverpool, who have, uh, you know, they still have a basically almost the same squad. Uh, mm-hmm. They did, you know, years ago when they were 
uh, the champions, and they and they did uh, make that a tremendous run to play them again here, and and then also to have an old rival from back in the day of AC Milan to kind of sneak into this group as well. Of course, being an AC Milan uh, supporter on the Italian side is that's uh, cool for me to get to see this group. And then Porto, who's always one of those Champions League uh, squads that they can sneak through and then not just sneak through, but they can also kind of be dangerous sometimes in the knockout rounds as well. So this is going to be, do you feel like this is uh, worthy of being the called the group of death, even though maybe this is not an AC Milan of years past and, and you know, Porto is kind of always that. Do you think it's more of a two team group or do you think it is, is sort of your group of death? No, I really do think that this is the group of death because even though AC Milan does not have the formidability and all the big names remember their clash in the final against Liverpool blowing that 3-0 lead, this is still a team that is extremely competitive in Serie A. And of course, Liverpool with all their things under Jurgen Klopp still going at it with Manchester City now that they've won a Premier League title, making deeper runs. And as you said yourself, even though with Portugal, their big three won't always match up to the best of the best of your top five leagues, that's still a team and that's still a league very, very dangerous. And those champions in those top spots, they can't be undercounted whatsoever. So. Yeah, this I can definitely put as the group of death. I'm wondering how many points is it really going to take or how many points you're going to get from this group to make it to those knockout rounds. Yeah, certainly. It's going to be one of those where like, you go to Anfield and is Madrid going to take points off them again? Is uh, Liverpool going to do the same going to... Madrid, you know, is going to having Milan do the same thing. And again, we don't know what kind of Porto we're going to get. So that's going to be interesting on all fronts on that side. What is your, I think, your other like major headline, I think, out of this for you? Furthering revenge, and especially with our team, Group F. I wanted to punch the screen at that Europa League final that penalty shootout. Now, here we go again. United playing Villarreal. Kind of nervous in some ways because you have that mental factor and with United still settling in with their signings going into the start of the Premier League season. I don't know. Those are two I'm definitely circling. It's like, give me something. Show that that wasn't a fluke. No, definitely. I think uh, there is revenge on the mind for Solskjaer and, you know, the, the boys at uh, United. I uh, definitely think watch out for Atalanta as well. They were uh, formidable in City all, all last season. They've continued to be that so far in the first game. And uh, Young Boys, I think, is another one of those. Like, the thing that tripped up Manchester United last season was Besiktas mm-hmm. coming in and then losing over there in Turkey. You know, Swiss teams have been interesting with Manchester United in the past sometimes. Uh, when it used to be Basel, used to be a, a squad that you'd have with Manchester United a lot in the Champions League, and sometimes you'd see them struggle against them. So, 
you know, when you're going to those European nights and you go over to young boys and you maybe take them lightly, they could certainly surprise you for either of these teams. And I think that's the cool thing about for me about Group F is that maybe young boys a little bit like a tier maybe below, but you're looking at three very equal teams mm-hmm. and Real United and Atalanta. So like they could really maybe knock points off each other or just one could uh, they they could be really tight games or you could see maybe blowout games as well if um, depending on the form that each one of them is in oh, i'm yeah. very intrigued by what we could get out of this group oh yeah and randy we we see in there we may not be chanting that a lot during some of these matches we're talking about now but it'll still be fun to watch yeah, for sure. I, I think that's what I'm excited about is how painful are they going to make this for us as uh, supporters, <laughs> as as viewers that are just wanting to will a United on and then just, you know, VRL is always those really those tough team. It's a tough team that like when it comes to these knockout competitions, they are always formidable. Uh, we saw it last year in the Europa League and they do that as well in the uh, uh, Champions. I've really enjoyed watching Atalanta, so it'll be fun to see them uh, here as well. Uh, we'll get into like making predictions for the groups uh, here in a little bit, but I wanted to uh, move along to uh, some of our other topics first before we, we get into that. Of course, before we're getting into the topics, we always talk about what we watched this week. We already had our show on Tuesday. We basically, the the one thing that's kind of happened since then um, aside from like Caribou Cup stuff, is the MLS All-Star game that we had talked about on the previous show. Erica, the MLS All-Stars win in a penalty shootout. Uh, Ricardo Pepe that I'm going to be talking about a lot later on. And was the decisive goal scorer with a goal that almost, I looked like it was going to bounce out and then bounce mm-hmm. back in. How should the, the MLS All-Stars feel about this? I mean, you 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 won against the Liga Mekis All-Stars. Some vindication, perhaps, or what yeah, I mean, especially with the Liga MX winning the skills challenge, you get to the game itself, and for the first half, it looked like what I've mentioned before the Liga, those teams, those players were just simply better, getting all of the pressure, all of the flow up the pitch, and a very deserved goal, but then. MLS, after halftime, making their substitutions, came back. They retooled, retooled, and then you had that goal from Pepe. Okay, it was 1-1. But as much as MLS tried to push for that winner, they kept attacking, attacking, had a few key chances. It just wasn't enough. So, 1-1, I will say, it was very, very fair. The penalty shootout itself was kind of subpar, but I take it as, okay, we know that at times we have our best, we can hang with them. Now, instead of making it, as I described it, a tale of two halves, okay, let's get it to where we can put a more comprehensive 90-minute performance. It's possible, and this was a great start for that. Yeah, uh uh, that I saw set pieces again. It always feels like every mm-hmm. time we're talking about 
U.S. teams or, or uh, not necessarily MLS teams, but just U.S. versus Mexico. It's set pieces, set pieces, set pieces that happens on this again. I forgot who it was that made an absolutely a tremendous save, a challenge right at the end before a one of the Liga Mekis players could go make an attempt at goal after they had scored the first one not too long after. So, well, I think for MLS, you're obviously going to be happy. You know, this is something that they want to continue on for several, like probably several years now. Oh, yeah. And then they they got to win the first one. And I think that's always going to stand out. I mean, obviously you had some players missing uh, on both sides, but still cool for them. Yeah, th- this was a great foundation for it. And again, next year, if you have more of the top talent on both sides, you'll get to see something even better. And then going forward, as you say, for years to come, I think this is what we'll see for the MLS All-Star game. And I liked it. It was fun. Fun is is the most important thing. It went down to shootout, so evenly massed and everything. That's what you want to see out of an All-Star game, you know, not necessarily just getting blowouts and, and everything else. So. I mean, it was kind of a short what we watched, but again, we're talking about a midweek thing and there wasn't this huge string of games of, of things going on in midweek so far. But really quickly, right after uh, th- this podcast is up again, Friday, the games start once again for the weekend. So uh, another whole host of awesome club games to go watch and some pretty big ones all around uh, the different leagues so we'll be plenty to watch and then talk about when we, we get to uh, the regular show on Tuesday which thankfully we will have uh, Rachel back to talk about some a cool topic that we already know is going to be on that show um, so moving on here to our first topic here we got to talk about the U.S. men's national team the announcement of the 26 player squad already decided for the uh, these World Cup qualifiers against El Salvador, against Canada at home, and then going again to Honduras uh, the 2nd, 5th, and 8th of September, respectively. And then we've gotten more news out of the COVID-19 red list that we talked about on the previous show. This is now extended onto Serie A. I mentioned that we have time. Before we get to those games, mm-hmm. even if teams name squads, the clubs can still come in and make changes. Serie A has now gone on and made uh, made along with the UK. And it looks like La Liga hasn't officially come out and said it, but they have come out in support of it as well. So we're just kind of waiting to see if they ever come out and officially support. And, man, it's going to be interesting to see if this extends to does Liga do it? Does, does the Bundesliga do it? Does it go further into Europe uh, to where you start, you know, talking about other leagues, you know, um, the the Divisie and and whatever else? Uh, Eric, I mean, looking at this squad, you have a lot of the big names Mm -hmm. that you would expect, but you have some surprises in here as well. I mean, what, what stands out when you look at the roster as a whole for you out of these 26 players? Well, with this, I get that the part of the purpose, because you have all of these going on, these post-qualifiers, Burr Halter was like, okay, we are going to need 
depth. And defensively, I think we're pretty much set. He's got the right idea for some of the big names. But up for one, yes, you see the likes of a Brennan Aronson, a Jordan Pifok, who we see talked about young boys. So it's like, okay, if Pulisic still has issues, you've already seen him as far as we're dealing with COVID already. How are you going to have these guys who aren't anywhere near as experienced? And even as you mentioned with Ricardo Pepe getting a call up, how is he going to get them to gel in time knowing you've got these matches back to back to back? Am I worried that goal scoring is going to be a problem? Not entirely. But would I be surprised? Not entirely. Yeah, I, I do worry about the three teams that you're that you're playing against uh, as far as goals because you're going to an El Salvador, which is not an easy place to play. Mm-mm. You're going to San Pedro Suda, which is not an easy place to play at all. We've seen how nasty those pitches can be when you go over there and, and how much the crowd is on top of you and how much that can be a challenge. Uh, and how tight those games can be at times and nerve wracking and intense. And that's sometimes where you need some of that experience to be able to kind of guide you through it. And that's something that I am, I'm not worried because this is what I want. I wanted them to, I wanted Berhold to be able to see, be able to do. I didn't necessarily want him to like go out and try to grab people just for experience and then. You don't get the best 26 or whatever that you could. Right. Now, there's still some question marks here, but I feel like if you're talking about one or two players, it's not that big of an issue. I mean, I think Sebastian Legette to me is the biggest glaring one of why are you still selecting him? He hasn't really done anything in a while. He didn't. He didn't do anything at the Gold Cup that made me go, oh, man, he deserves his place. Like, I don't know how you – but, like, everybody else, I feel is totally deserved. Here. Oh, yeah. Sebastian Legit is, like, the one sore thumb here where I'm just like, I get he's picking him for the experience. He's picking him because he trusts him. He's picking him because he knows him. Uh, maybe it's a little bit of a Jossie Zardes – is injured, so he couldn't go, and he wanted to pick someone else that that he felt he could trust. But it's just like Legette just has not done much of anything, and it's like you don't have anybody else in the midfield that you could have chosen. Uh, you could have put, I mean, there, like even uh, even uh, Eric Williamson, to me, perhaps deserves that spot a little bit more. Um. Obviously, I think like, you know, maybe Busio was the one you wanted to grab or a Yunus Musa from Valencia who just he's got the ankle injury and Busio just hasn't played for uh, Venezia yet. Uh, so. But but man, I, I just feel like Legette is the one where I go, man, why? I, I would be extremely concerned if he again finds himself in a starting eleven. Because you mentioned at the Gold Cup, he was just invisible. I mean, I wouldn't say you should be surprised if he is. They're going to have to rotate the squad. 
Well, yeah, but I, the yeah. reason why I say surprise, and I get with rotation, and especially with the formation that Berhalter chooses, but again, it's that exact point, though. If you need someone for experience, fine. But if you're going to have someone for experience who's going to be just clearly invisible, that you're really going to have to pick and choose. Because that's what he was. And even at certain times, with some of his touches and trying to get things in transition, or even locking down defensively in the midfield, it's gotten almost to the point to where he looks a bit lost. And maybe, depending on if it's like, okay, we know we have this one result here, we have another here, and then we're going to need Legit because he's going to be less of a liability for the match where it's in the standings. Okay, I get it from that standpoint, but I'm with you. I don't know about that one. Yeah, uh, definitely. But, I mean, I think the rest of the midfield, I mean, like, Mm -hmm. I totally expect we're going to see Acosta and Adams playing together here as a double holding a spot and then allowing a Weston McKinley to go forward um, and, and do what he does, which is kind of, kind of join the front uh, players or these guys can get into the attack if needed, or they can make those passes. You want to make them see Christian Roldan has, as another player that, you know, he was, he was pretty good at the uh, gold cup, I thought, and he works well as a sub as well. And you've seen him, uh, he just, he's somebody that Berhalter trusts, has some of that experience. Uh, I'm fine with uh, the Rodon uh, selection uh, in that part. I think defensively for me, I'm really excited to see this is going to be Miles Robinson's chance to really be paired up there with John Brooks. Is he going to be that center forward pairing that you really want to see? But they have some other ones there that you can definitely feel uh, secure about with Tim Ream or James Sands. Um, George Bellow making into, into the squad is a bit of a surprise for me uh, at the left back. I think this really points to we're going to play the 3-5-2, perhaps, because you would have thought that you're going to bring some more fullbacks if you're mm-hmm. going to play the four at the back, because there's no Shaq Moore, there's no, no. Reggie Cannon. Uh, so, like, it's just Sergio Dest and George Bellow. Uh, I mean, they could play the four at the back, they have enough center backs to play the four at the back, and you have DeAndre Yenlin, who is obviously a back as well. It's it's going to be interesting if he's going to use that flexibility to to play more of a three central uh, in that way. And I think with the way not only are we capable, but the more in vogue sort of a thing, playing three at the back now, it's worth a shot. If it's who you have. As those like wingbacks, inverted wingbacks, what have you, that's really going to be the key if you're going to do this. Yeah, uh, certainly going to be interesting to see what, if any chances uh, Berhalter takes uh, with the three sides that they're uh, playing against. And Canada is one of the more formidable ones. Even if you are playing in the U.S., you don't necessarily want to take a bunch of chances with Canada being the one that you're playing. Uh, I think uh, one of the... More interesting things is the forwards here. I think Aronson has been fantastic for Salzburg. Talk about Champions League. He's one of the reasons why they are in that Champions League group stage. He was um, very important in both the legs for uh, Salzburg. Comrade de la Fuente has been decent. Actually, getting some time at Marseille after getting no time at Barcelona 
Um, so it's cool that actually not somebody I expected. Uh, cool that Berhalter called him in. Pifolk has, has actually been pretty good at young boys. Pep, Ricardo Pepe, of course, being an FC Dallas player, <laughs> announcing that he has chosen the United States after we just saw – oh, man, what is his name? Uh, uh, Raji Robinson get selected for Chile. Um, he's placed her into Miami. Uh, so he forewent the United States and went to play for Chile. I don't blame him. You've got a lot of uh, sort of like front players for the oh, U.S. Yeah. Would he have gotten real playing time? I mean, this would have been further down the line. And with Chile, he gets a chance to really be in the squad with a lot of Chile's, you know, golden generation aging out to the point where they're really having to start over. He can be one of those players that maybe perhaps you rely on uh, there for Chile going forward. Um, Ricardo Pepe, it's awesome that he chose the United States. Um, as we saw with David Sanchez, a goalkeeper who chose Mexico, that's going to happen. As someone that's a dual national, I'm Venezuelan American. Like I have passports to both countries. I understand how that feels to grow up with Latin family, grow up with the American family. And kind of not feel like you have an identity one way or another, but also feeling like, which one do I feel more accepted with? Which one do I feel like has had my back? Ricardo Pepe hasn't shown up for, like, it's funny because Sanchez was there in the Nations League. He was mm -hmm. there under 20s. Ricardo Pepe was around for under 17s, and that's it. So, like, he hasn't had this long storied history of being with the U.S. national team in the youth ranks or whatever. And he chose uh, the United States. So I think that's a, that's a good thing. And it's a good thing for the forward line because we still don't have this, this oh, my God, this is your forward. Right? Outside of Christian Pulisic, and like, it's still a question mark. Yeah. Right? Like Josh Chardon came on, scored some goals on the FA Cup or the Carabao Cup, sorry, um, against, uh, you know, way lower league side. Uh, does that, you know, how much can you take from that? Um, you know, Tim Way is playing in a Leo side that isn't anything of what they were last season. Uh, Gio Reyna has looked decent for Dortmund, um, you know, so, but like, that's not a lockdown thing. So Ricardo Pepe definitely has a chance to, to kind of come out and, and maybe stake a claim here if he gets the, any playing time and, and makes the most of it uh, in any of these games here. Um Anything, I mean, and especially with Pulisic, we don't know what kind of, what we're going to get. Like, will he be able to play at all, uh, depending on what happens with the COVID quarantine and all that. Uh, if he has any kind of symptoms before he flies out, that puts him in jeopardy, you know? so Yeah, he's just, he'd just be done. Done. Yeah. And obviously, Chelsea, who not really wanting to release players anyway, that would just give an added reason. It was like, hey. He tested positive. He's not really going to be able to play for us. We've got to keep an eye on him. Sorry, if it gets to the point where it's like, well, he can't play for you either. Then it's a whole situation where not only do we have to figure out our lockdown number nine, but sort out again a number 10. So oh, a potential mess. Potential. Yeah. Potential mess, that one for sure. But I, what's going to be interesting, I think, is once we get to the actual games, what lineups do get put out there? What do we see when we get, we get to this? Do we 
Do we see a bit more of a pragmatic approach when we, we're talking about going away to El Salvador or Honduras? Or are we talking about uh, what happens when, when we are playing Canada at home? Does he take more chances? This is going to be a fun to look at. But I think the interest, the, the thing that we really need to, to discuss here is this COVID-19 red list. How much damage it's going to do to how much damage it's going to do to Mexico. Like you're talking about a much different squad that Tata Martino is going to have to put out there. You're not getting to call in a Chucky Lozano, a Real, a Raul Jimenez, a Héctor Herrera, many of the Spain, the Spain player, the Spanish team uh, players cannot come. Uh, you know, like, so, uh, and if this extends onto some of the other leagues, uh, you know, like, Tecatito Corona, uh, Corona is uh, being rumored for AC Milan right now. Like, that's a that's quite a few of your big stars that don't get to move and don't get to come on these. Uh, and what are important qualifiers for Mexico? You know, exactly. And looks like, uh, yeah, random timing. But with these players, you're absolutely right. It would basically be Tata Martino saying, okay, I can draw primarily from Liga MX, and that's just about it. And then with these European countries, it's like, okay, Liverpool not releasing Mo Salah to Egypt. You've got a whole battle between Ligue 1 and FIFA about FIFA extending the international window. So that way you have more CONMEBOL qualifiers that right. are able to be played. So you've got this weird sort of dynamic where FIFA's making the push. Okay, we've already had to restructure World Cup qualifying once to make this happen. This issue isn't going away. We got to try. But then with the European leagues, it's like, well, we've had to restructure everything too. We're shelling out the money and signing the checks. We have to take precedence. So I don't know if at some point the court of arbitration for sports going to have to be involved, if someone's going to force that hand. I mean, what hurts more is the South American squads. You just mm -hmm. talked about how this has changed to basically the, the whole thing of local qualifying was changed to help Comable get more of these games in. Mm -hmm. Argentina, Bolivia, Brazil, Chile, Colombia, um, Ecuador. Uh, I think all of the South American teams are on this, this list, pretty much Paraguay, Uruguay, uh, like Venezuela, all of them are on this list. And like, it's insane how many, and, and then you look at CONCACAF, Panama. Mexico, Amaica, like um, El Salvador, probably they don't even know what that is, so that's not on there. Or like Honduras is not on there, but like Mexico is on this list, Peru is on this list. Like the entirety of Carnival is affected by this. Mm -hmm. And you look at the depletion of Brazil has to send like a D team to Carnival qualifying. If this stands, look at I, I. We could name probably like three different teams 
just based on the players that play in those European leagues that will not be able to travel. Yeah, and uh, and if this extends to Liga and and extends to Bundesliga, you're talking about no Messi. You're talking about no Neymar. No. So not only are you getting the biggest stars out of World Cup qualifying, you had mentioned Brazil. Yes, they are a powerhouse, but if I'm any country, I wouldn't trust my D team in essence going ahead for these important matches. So thankfully there's a more convenient structure with Commonball where they use like a league system and the top teams out of that league since you're playing everybody make it. But what if on the off chance you have this window, you maybe have another window. I am, but we're talking about the fall season, right? This could get worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not and this better. Is, like, and this is what I'm saying. You have this window right here. What if it's not just this window? What if it's another window when you're dealing with the same problems? Then you have so many more of those matches played. What if Brazil is so far behind that they wind up not making it? Or they need some miracle, those last qualification windows next year to where they do make it? Then what? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy how much this... Like the United States and Canada really benefit from this. They mm-hmm. are on the green list somehow, mm-hmm. even though the U.S. has a ridiculous amount of cases right now. Uh, like how much this affects almost every other country in that octagonal in the CONCACAF and then also Commonwealth in its entirety. And like how much you could see a Peru, a Chile, a Venezuela, Bolivia, like benefit from the bigger squads not being able to bring their top tier players while their players who play in either in leagues that are not those top European leagues or, you know, they're, they're playing locally. So they're not a problem. Right. Like how much could we see like different teams from uh comable really make a huge difference. Now, hopefully People, more people get vaccinated and, and things improve. And when we're talking about October and November, this isn't a problem. But considering we're talking about the holidays, which is the same for almost everyone, with, you know, nearing that Christmas season, and we're getting talking about you know winter months for for many of a certain hemisphere and all that stuff. Like when people are going inside, it could get yep. worse. Like so, yeah. I'm just I. This really puts the World Cup to me in danger. Of is this actually competitive and actually fair to those clubs, to those, to those international teams to say, Oh, well, me not even be, me not, we may not be able to make it because of freaking COVID. A- absolutely. You know? This is something that Gianni Infantino has to look at right now. Some sort of meeting with the heads of the ECA, all these countries saying, okay, what can we do? You're already not seeing a normal cycle because you're going to have in the Northern Hemisphere a Winter World Cup next year. I mean, as is, we're looking at 15 months. 15 months before the start of the tournament. Where are we going to be in the next three months? Where are we going to be in the next And the next six? three months are the most important because that's when you have Half of these qualifiers. Exactly. So what are you going to do? In 
say in the off chance that not only do you have your release of uh, top talent not being available, add an extra layer to that. What if some of these qualifiers end up having to be postponed or moved? That's mm. another potential factor on top of that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It almost feels like a headache at this point, right? Yeah, it really does. That, you know, for <laughs> sure. Um, I, I think uh, before we talk about the Champions League again and actually give like our predictions and everything, let's let's talk about a little bit more um, in our like a, a last topic before we get to uh, talking about the, the Champions League. We talked a little bit about Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. About him moving to to Man City, you know I'm you know we we kind of if there's reports coming out that Pep Guardiola is really thinking about his future, like he in two years his contract runs up at Man City. Could he make the decision to say, oh I don't I don't want to, you know, I don't want to extend again with uh with Metro City, right? I don't wanna I, I wanna go coach a national team, you said, on the way. If if I'm on a break and there's a national team that's available that I want to go coach, I want to go experience what it would be like to coach the Euros or the World Cup or or Copa America or something like that. Could you uh, uh imagine what that is like to does that mean that he really wants to make sure he wins right now? Is that why Man City's going after Ronaldo? And after they lose out, out uh, you know, lose out on Harry Kane, and and then what, you know? So, like, do you feel like they can make Ronaldo work here with with Man City? I mean, they really do need a number nine. I I think so. I think with the benefit with someone like Ronaldo, he's very familiar with the Premier League, playing six years at United and then playing against English teams from when he went over in the top five leagues, going now with Juventus before that Real Madrid. So if he's one, even though he is a little bit older, and we have seen some older players work in this landscape, and from a Man City perspective, you're absolutely right. This is a club that pretty much has the money to spend, loves to spend it to get these results. They're pretty much okay. 50 million, 100 million, 150 million pounds, whatever it takes. If this is what you need and this is what we have to pay to get these results, so be it. And the fact that Guardiola's already gotten them so close, they're like, all right, if you really want to leave, win us one for the road, we'll be happy, we'll build with something else. So, those bosses are feeling that pressure just as much. So it's like, okay, we know we're going to be hard-pressed to find someone with this talent right away who can coach all these guys. Let's go ahead, finish the job, and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, you have the ability to, uh, with especially with um, with Holland, he, his, his dad played for Man City. So there's a little bit of a connection there mm-hmm. uh, with with him. Uh, there, I think that that's maybe something they're looking at. Of course, there's also rumors that Real Madrid might go after him. 
machine. I didn't mind going after him. He's going to be a sought after guy. There's going to oh, be yeah. so many clubs going after him, especially if it's on a free uh, at that point or even, or whatever his transfer fee is, people will pay it uh, to get him out of there and bring him to their, to their country or their team. Um, the thing is you're looking at this year and you don't want to waste a year mm-hmm. or you know that you need that little bit of something extra. Like you said, right. They won the league and they won it running away with the false nine and with the, the players they already have. And I think what is most important is yes, they lost on Harry Kane. Harry Kane decided to stay at Tottenham. Uh, you know, I don't think he needed to really make that statement that he made, but whatever, that's, that's his choice. But like, what is important here is the rumor going around is that they're going to offer Juventus like 30 million as a fee. And then that's going to, that's going to be what stamps the, the approval for Juventus to let him go and talk about the difference between spending 30 million and not having to sell anyone. And then you had to sell, you went, you had to bid 150 million for Kane and you would have had to sell players. Absolutely. So, now you can keep Gabriel Jesus and be another guy that feeds in and have Jack Grealish and have uh, Sterling giving the ball to Ronaldo and and then also them working all together and becoming a, a better squad. I think now there's a lot of people that are saying, oh, Ronaldo's old. Why are you going after him? Like, oh, this is more about the 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 outside, the promotional aspect, the the not on the pitch stuff. Who cares? He can still deliver. He was the leading scorer in the Serie A last year. And so he's not doing that. Well, why are you doubting him at this point? This is one of the like best talents to ever grace the game until he proves he can't do it. I, I would say let it be at this point. Uh, exactly. And even look at what he still did at the Euros with Portugal. As a team, they didn't have a great tournament. but him up front is like okay i'm showing even at my age i still got it and i'm going to keep going at it so i get in even for a club like city saving 70 120 million pounds is perfect plus yes you've got that promotional aspect that you can make that money back but you're only being spoken about as title contenders with a couple other teams Yes, you want to win the Champions League, but you also want to keep that separation winning another league title. So I get it from that aspect. And I think as much as I would have to root against him, it would be a good move. Yeah, as United fans, that hurts, obviously, to see somebody that that started basically his career boomed. Uh, United allowed him to go to Real Madrid and, and become the Cristiano Ronaldo that we all know. Uh, now the legend was born at the other side of Manchester and then to go over to City. Uh, you know, it's that same thing of being at Barcelona, going to Real Madrid, going to Real Madrid, going to, be, going to Barcelona. It's like, it's that like, oh, you know, you don't want to see that. You don't want to see that. And it still hurts on, yeah, on that end, you know. At least he's not going to Liverpool. That would really make me mad. Yeah, at least it's yeah, true. <laughs> at least it's not that. But you know, I think on the other side of things, um, is Kylian Mbappe, who he has made it known for a long time that Real Madrid is his boyhood club. 
He's mm-hmm. always one. He sees himself one day at Real Madrid. He that is where he wants to go. And then we have PSC on the other on the other end, right? Leonardo saying, "Well, we'll let him go, but it's going to be on our terms." Yep. You know, we still owe Monaco thirty-five million. We don't want to just let him go for less than what we paid for him, or whatever. And, and so they're holding. 220 million euros is the price Real Madrid have to meet. Uh, they didn't take the 160. They supposedly 180 now is the price, mm-hmm. and that's getting them into the conversation. Do you think that this is just uh, two clubs talking, right? We're talking about Kylian Mbappe going on a free, but PSG and Leonardo himself did say, Oh man, what a travesty! Boo-hoo. Oh, Mbappe would—that would just be such a slap in the face if he went on a free next year. Do you think that maybe that's what this is? Like, PSC is a little bit weary of. Oh God, he could really go on a free, and then we get nothing for him. Like, do we need to consider maybe dropping the price a little bit, even if we do need to play Monaco? For that? Absolutely, because PSG has already come to Mbappe three times for a contract extension. Mbappe has said no every time. So he's telling them, look, one way or another, I'm gone. So if I'm PSG, yes, I would be freaking out. If I lose him on a free transfer, because imagine if they get him on a free, what Real would be able to pay him contract-wise. I know La Liga has their formula, how they have with signings and wages and everything, but so much more in wages that they would save on any sort of signing fee. That would be tremendous for him. So I think PSG is like a bluffing a little bit. Inevitably, I do see the price going down. Probably sub 200, maybe going back to that 180 and then some sort of player swap. I don't know, but the more this goes on, summer transfer window is just about to close a few days' time. I think really when you get to the winter, that's when we're going to see the big move made because then everyone will know this is well, wonderful. they can't move in the winter because then Mbappe wouldn't be able to play in the Champions League. Mm. So, like, that's the thing. I think it's now or next next summer. That's it. Like, and that the my thing that I think PSG not maybe not necessarily PSG, right? PSG they can get anybody they want. It's it's whatever. I think for Real Madrid, you got to get this done soon because you got to start offloading people. You got to start figuring out who you're going to sell to cover this in in this gross that you're going to have coming to the club now of Mbappe's uh, contract and his his transfer fee. So, you know, do you got to go try to find people? Do you got to go send Gareth Bale somewhere? Do you got to go and and send some of these other players somewhere uh, to cover for him? And I mean that's the thing, and and the thing is, Mbappe doesn't want to stay because supposedly he wants to be the poster boy. He wants to be 
the number one guy. And he knows he's not going to be the number one guy with the two pals, Lionel Messi and Neymar, uh, there with each other. Do I still feel like he's missing out a little bit on playing with them for a season? Sure. But isn't there something to be said, Eric, for maybe he doesn't work out with them, right? Yeah. Maybe he doesn't gel with what Messi and Neymar get cooked up, and they know that they work together. They played at Barcelona. But what if this this dream front line doesn't work out? And that is definitely something to think about because it's like, okay, how much time have they really been able to even get together and practice? We've seen Messi's debut be delayed. So how are you even going to organize that much with the formation with this front three? What are things going to work out logistically? And yes, Mbappe, almost pretty much like Neymar, going to PSG himself to try to be the number one to while he was playing with Messi, be out of Messi's shadow. Now he's in Mbappe's shadow, and Mbappe is like, okay, I don't want to be in anybody else's shadow. I'm here being in a big club. I want to go do something else. But can you step up in, in those times, maybe be second fiddle, maybe be third fiddle? If you're not happy like doing that, and you can't find a way to make it work, and you've always got to be that number one, yeah, maybe it's better if he leaves. Yeah, I I mean, I do think his ego is getting a little bit too much on him for Mbappe. He's still a young guy. You're going to go make millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. I mean, you know, whatever. But I I also get it from PSG's perspective. They they want to they wanted to be happy there. They thought bringing, you know, big stars there would help and apparently uh, that's not the case for Mbappe. And I think maybe they're starting to realize, well, we kind of need to maybe get something out of him now because he seems determined to, mm-hmm. he's not going to extend and he's going to make us pay if we don't. So let's see if Real bump it up anymore. If PSG bring it down, uh, we'll see. We'll see if it's all semantics. But I feel like if they keep going on, Ronaldo's going to sign for City. They're not going to have a backup plan here. So not they're going to have to figure out something, uh, whatever they decide to do. Um, but, you know, transfer window still has a couple of days to be open. I'm sure by the time we get to Tuesday, there will be a lot more to talk about on on that front. Or maybe there's a deal done on, on both ends by the time we get to that. So uh, we'll be able to talk about, like, the realistics of everything. but. Let's get into this uh, actually giving some early predictions on the Champions League. Mm-hmm. I and mean, we're still talking about a few weeks away before we're um, talking about the actual first games being played there. We don't even know what the um, the actual, like, who's playing who first is up yet. But let's let's get into actually uh, into doing this thing. So Alrighty. Um, we, we talked about Group A pretty extensively. Manchester City, Paris Saint-Germain, RB Leipzig, Club Bruges. Where do you think this ends up? Group A, who's who's coming out? Oh, uh, with everything going on, and I am going to project slightly, given the state of these transfers, I think with Guardiola, he's going to want to send a message. 
So I think City wins it. PSG in a close second. And I'll go a step farther and say Leipzig, although they're right in it, they wind up going down, finishing third into the Europa League. Yeah, uh, Manchester City already broke the record uh, last year with getting 11 wins in an entire campaign, which has never been done before. Um, I don't know if they equal that again, but that could very well be the case. And especially if you get Ronaldo and they can get some kind of a gel going, maybe not in that first group of fixtures, but in the next ones going on beyond that, barring any, you know, kind of injuries or anything like that. I think Manchester City are are well equipped to get this uh get this victory. And, you know, I think they might actually, with a few points in hand, win this group. Um, I wonder what's gonna happen with PSG. Obviously it's early days. We don't know what's gonna happen if right. Mbappe's gonna leave if he's not. Um Let's say he does leave. I think that that really hampers PSG because, especially if we're talking about the last minute, that means they don't, they don't, they they can't bring in any reinforcements at all, yeah, it, right? It, so it's it's as is for PSG if Mbappe leaves at the last minute. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, if he winds up leaving at the last minute, I would say I'd swap Leipzig and PSG. I think Leipzig would have enough, and PSG wouldn't to go ahead and nick second spot. I think PSG with the star power, I think with the pressure, I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine? You're bringing Messi in, mm-hmm. not just to play with Neymar and be, make things all happy. It's it's to win the damn Champions League. You know, it's it's to, that's what you're bringing him in here for. Not to win League uh, It's to win the Champions League. It's to, the promotional stuff. It's all that stuff. But it's it's to make a run in the Champions League. So for me, as much as I want to say RB Leipzig, Jesse Marsh, we I talked about what he did with Salzburg last year. He has a better squad of players. He has the opportunity here, um, especially with the way we know he likes to set up and be tactical. He has the opportunity to really press both of these squads and make them earn it. I think there's going to be a falter down the line. PSC squeak by and do what they can. And then once you get to the knockout rounds, it is what it is. But, man, I think it's going to be closer. It's going to be closer than, than people think just looking at this stuff on paper. Uh, the group of death, we talked about it. Let them go, Madrid, Liverpool, Porto, and AC Milan all together. Look, this is not the AC Milan of old, but Mm-mm. still a pretty formidable side, especially if Zlatan plays. Uh, we know what kind of a figure he is and what he does for Milan. Uh, Liverpool, again, uh, if they can stay healthy, they have an actual, absolutely formidable squad. And I think of Madrid with Diego Simeone there as the coach. And, you know, as the Spanish champions, they still have a really great squad as as well. Um, man, this one I think is, is really hard, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, in my head, I can make a case for Atletico to win the group. I can make a case for Liverpool. I can make a case for Milan. The only one I can't really make a case for winning the group is potentially Porto. But for a second, I can make a case for all of them. Oh, 
Yeah. Hard, huh? I, I think uh, I think Liverpool is going to wind up taking the top spot. Uh, you know, as our, our dear friend Harry, who, you know, hosts the kickoff with you, um, you know, another one of our sports shows here on the WTM Network. He'll be thrilled to um, hear that for sure. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he says he was a little bit, you know, worried about this. Um, but I really think we shouldn't necessarily brush AC Milan aside. I think they will be in it until the end. Um, I think parts will wind up faltering at some point. I just, man, like Atletico Madrid haven't looked super convincing, but neither has really anybody in the Liga, honestly, uh, so far. I think that with Simeone there, the way that that team plays, the defensive solidarity that they have, I just can't see them not getting out of this group. I'm going to give the edge to Liverpool here just based on what I've seen so far, just the way that the, the squad have played. Um, I'm going to say Liverpool and then Atletico Madrid. But like you said, man, it could be it could be either one. I mean, honestly, yeah, I, I, I can take Liverpool because of Jurgen Klopp and how they are up front. I'll throw Harry a bone and have them winning the group. I'm in a, just that little bit of a shock. Give me Porto for second. Really? Because, wow. Okay. Because again, second time in a week that I'm going to be making like shock predictions, but something about this and with the team that knows, all right, if we really have to park the bus, we can, we will. We don't care about it looking pretty. It'll get the job done. Give me Atletico in third. Barely. I mean, I hate to do this with Milan, but if Porto does as well as I can feel with this particular group, it's going to be one of those shockers about who ends up in last place. Interesting. Interesting on that. That's going to be one of those to watch for sure. Um. You know, so like a uh, group of, I think we have two group of lives, if you want to mm-hmm. call it that, um, for the Champions League this year, where basically it feels like almost anybody can uh, get out. And I feel like Group C definitely, you could say that Dortmund definitely should mm-hmm. get out with Holland as, as uh, you know, in their scoring goals and, Giorena and but I'm just so worried with the way Dortmund have looked at the back just scary at times where it feels like they're just oh we're, we're gonna have to blow out this team we're gonna have to score a bunch of goals every and you can't in these Champions League European nights where we're talking about having to be these are tight games these are not absolutely games where you're just yeah do you blow out teams sure that happens but it's like a lot, we're talking about intense affairs, right? Because you know you only have a certain amount of games where you can drop points where it will make it matter for you coming into the later fixtures. So, I mean, obviously there's chances that they could they could bring in some players and fortify the defense. But right now they have not looked uh, convincing to me, and I worry about that. And I feel like, you know, sporting is a, a team we just – I don't think we know a lot about. They are um, – you know, uh, the, the, the Portugal champions, I think we definitely need to 
given that. I mean, Ajax is a bit questionable. You know, uh, they aren't necessarily the the old Ajax team, but I think they're still a team you get to watch out for. And Besiktas is always tricky, especially when you go to Turkey. Ask Man United last year what happened. Uh, could they take me. some points off some of these teams? They definitely could and be sneaky and be in in the mix when we're talking about those final days. I definitely think we're talking about Dortmund being that number one team because uh, I feel like they should. They should take this this group by a hold, you know. But I, I, you know, there could be a a a, a team in third here uh, and or in in that second between those three squads. I'm going to say Bruce Dortmund and Sporting. But man, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if it was a lot tighter than than you'd imagine. And, and with something like that, I, Dortmund, yes, but give me Ajax as well. Because even though, again, they're not the team of old, they still want to show, just like I was saying with Club Bruges, Ajax is another one of those teams in the Bennett region with all this talk about the Benelia coming to be, it's like, okay, we want to show that we're still going to be the top dogs and all these other teams are going to have to chase us. Unfortunately, that means Sporting gets third, but very interchangeable. Fair enough. Something that uh, isn't interchangeable. The same group as last year. Mm-hmm. Inter Milan, Real Madrid, Shakhtar Donetsk. Somehow all three of them wind up in the same group again. I don't understand how this keeps happening. With the Champions League, but this is this is the fun stuff about Champions League. And then Shira. I mean, you know, Bob Marley would love to have a word, but Shira <laughs> uh, is in here. I'm sorry, Shira, but, uh, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, Shakhtar, again, do not sleep on Shakhtar's nest. They will take points from one of these squads, and it could be the points that matter in the end, uh, depending who gets uh, – you know, first or second, man, the way Inter, both these teams have been, I think, the top in, in their league so far as far as scoring and mm-hmm. have looked convincing. It's hard for me. Um, let let me say, maybe we're talking about Mbappe being at Real Madrid and that puts him over the top. I think Real Madrid wind up getting that first spot. Inter Milan's right there behind them in second. But again, Shatter Nunes is going to be interesting, I think. As much as I would like Shakhtar, again, look at what Inter has been able to do, as you just said, now without Lukaku. Real Madrid, what they're trying to do now, and then potentially adding Mbappe. Give me Inter to take it, to win the group. Okay. Real second. And as much as Shakhtar gets those points, it won't be enough, but they will be in a close third. And Sheriff, well, everybody will get to see the wonderful beauty that is Moldova. <laughs> That's cool, though. That's the nice things about the same disease sometimes. Like, you know, when you had the Cypress teams. And you're oh, like yeah. having to talk about, and we're in Cyprus here for a game. Like <laughs> you don't get to see that very often, so you know that's it's interesting as well. Um, so moving on to 
Group E, I think this is uh, one of the – look, I, I want to give Benfica the benefit of the doubt here. I think they will um, be interesting. I just think that Barcelona will eventually start to gel. They'll mm-hmm. eventually figure it out. I think there's a lot of – they also want to know if they have something after Messi. I don't think it's this, oh, my God, you know, oh, woe is me. You know, it's it's more to me about which Barcelona we're gonna get. Are we gonna get the Barcelona that we saw in the first game? Or are yep. we gonna get the Barcelona we saw in the second game that had a promo at the Bell? Uh Bayern Munich, I expect they're gonna top this group, they're gonna top this group. Um, probably with some points ahead of Barcelona, honestly. Oh yeah, comfortably. Um you know, I think it depends a lot to me on Barcelona if they ever get Aguero registered or not. That will make a huge difference. Um, do they sell some people to get try to get him registered? Do they just sell him and stay with the squad? I'm just, again, same thing like Dortmund. Barcelona have not been convincing at the back at all. Uh, Eric Garcia looked beyond being able to handle it against Rival. Um, You know, PK had to uh, sit out. You know, he had an injury. Like, it's like, that defense does not look convincing to me, and that's right for Bayern to just absolutely explode and and go through that, and you know maybe be a problem for Benfica to take some some points too. Uh, but I still think Barcelona will wind up getting it. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. It's just a matter of, and realistically, how much Bayern will win this group by. Could we see an astronomical, you know, 16 points or something close to that somewhere in the teens? Potentially feasible. But I think that Barcelona, especially if you have those like, you know, Griezmann, Braithwaite doing what he did in the first match. Give me them for a second. Yeah. Oh, who would be third? Ah, Benfica, you know. Uh, maybe Dino Kiev does something against Benfica, and they wind up stealing third spot, but I'll give it to Benfica for now. Yeah, Group F, we're talking about, uh, you know, our team at just United. Uh, Villarreal, of course, the, the Europa League final replay again. Atalanta, I talked about a young boy. is going to be interesting. Uh, you know, as as there's a, an American playing over there for young boys that you definitely uh, want to be checking out. Uh, so for me, I feel like Manchester United is in a good spot. Mm-hmm. I feel like Solskjaer has the opportunity to right some of the wrongs against Villarreal. Uh, not just against Villarreal, but I feel like they should feel confident in this group to be able, if they gel well, if uh, they can get Sancho into the squad and and figure out how you want to rotate, figure out who you're going to freaking be starting in midfield, for God's sakes. And, you know, if they can get all that figured out, Pablo can keep playing in his great form, Bruno Fernandes as well. I'm really confident United can, can do well in this group. But like we saw last year, again, they were flying at the start, and then they went to Besiktas, and oh my God, this happened, and they didn't make it. Uh, could young boys present the same problem? I don't know. I'm going to say Man United are going to win the group, but I think Atalanta are going to wind up in second. 
They have been really looking good to me. Uh, again, Villarreal has not convinced so far. I mean, obviously, things change. Things come different. We don't know who's going to be coming into the squad before then. Uh, but I think Atalanta will be sneaking in and getting the second over Villarreal uh, for me. Um, and young boys will have some points to celebrate somewhere yeah. in there as well. Unai Emery pull off the same magic this year in a champion. Yeah, I mean, but he he doesn't do champions. He does Europa League. You know that. You know. I, I know, this but this thing is, is Europa League. Like, and this is what I'm saying. Can he finally get together and pull off that same magic in Champions League like he does in Europa? I want to say no. I want to, but I don't know. United, they win the group again. Ole at the wheel. I'm much more confident, especially if he sticks to what he intended with the 4-3-3, trying to work with that. I'll take, you know what, for some reason, especially with those matches against United, give me Villarreal in second by a hair over Atalanta. Now, granted, I don't think he'll go far in the knockout stages, but he'll do something just so that way he say, hey, we're not just a Europa League fanatic team, and I'm not just a Europa League winning coach. Okay. <laughs> I think definitely, yeah. Would be a step up, certainly, if they were able to get second in that group. Uh, group G is that other, I think, group of life for sure here. You got the French champions, Lille, Sevilla, Real, uh, Red Bull Salzburg, and Wolfsburg uh, from Germany. And Americans galore here. You got Tim Way at Lille. You got. Um, uh, Jonathan Brooks at Wolfsburg, and oh my God, we just talked about him. Uh, Aaron uh, Aronson at Salzburg, um, and for me, this is Sevilla's group to win. Sevilla have looked uh, really good in La Liga. I think they are primed to keep doing that. They have a tremendously good squad. They are the best team in this group by far for me. Lille is not the same team we saw last year. They are they have lost some of those players and they could lose more. Uh they lost their coach to Nice. Um so for me I I feel like there's a downgrade there and we're going to see that. I don't know that it's going to be this absolute like abomination or whatever, but I I definitely think we could see one of the other two teams go ahead of Lille here and I'm going to I'm going to go for Salzburg. I think um with what I saw in the uh, qualification stages, I feel really good about Salzburg. Uh, perhaps going through behind Sevilla and squeaking past uh, Leo and Wolfsburg to get that second spot. See, I don't know. While I'm with you on Sevilla, give me Wolfsburg instead. But okay. it's going to be between those Wolfsburg-Salzburg matches. Whoever comes out better between those two teams that's what's getting second place. Loser gets third. Lille, I think they had their fairy tale run, but they're just way too disassembled. And I think they're going to be over their heads, even with this group. So, sorry, I don't see them going anywhere. Fair enough. Uh, group H, I think, is uh, pretty much done and dusted. Mm-hmm. You know what's happening here. Uh, as much as uh, I'm sorry, Rachel Zenit. St. Petersburg, always nice to see them. Always nice to see a Russian team in there. Malmo, 
Uh, good for Sweden to have a team in there as well. But this is Chelsea Juventus. Chelsea Juventus. Juventus lose Ronaldo. I think they're still a very fine team. Still a good, still a damn good team. Uh, I think that, though Chelsea's just got too much firepower. Oh this yeah, got too much. Uh, this is uh, let's let's say a catastrophe happens. Or Juventus winds up uh, beating them, or Chelsea just drops weird points somewhere. I think this is Chelsea's group to lose. Mm-hmm. Pretty much like Sevilla's group and Group G. Chelsea uh, win this group annually. I feel like Juventus is going to get second because of the uh, the two other teams that they have to play against. But I will be absolutely shocked if Chelsea doesn't win this like going away. Absolutely. Drew Cool, he's like, all right, let's go ahead. Same again. Let's run this back. We know what we've got. We can do it again. And then adding reinforcements as well. Chelsea, Juventus, Zenit make a good showing in third place. Malbo, maybe they get a fluke point. Maybe. <laughs> Well, that's it. That's your Champions League draw. Obviously, we'll be talking more about once the games, you know, get going ahead, you know. uh, We'll we'll include that in our what we watched and all that stuff. But hopefully you enjoyed our special edition of uh, Soccer to the Max on, uh, you know, a Friday show here. We'll be back on our regular scheduled uh, Tuesday night airing Wednesday for y'all on the podcast and on demand. Um, well, until until then, hope you enjoyed this. Uh, for Eric, go follow him on Twitter at Squid Sportshead. Follow me at W Tim Sean. Go check out the rest of the stuff at W Tim Network. Eric has a American football show. If you enjoy that, uh, the kickoff uh, that you should uh, go listen to, go watch on video as well. Um, and of course, if you like the video games, I host the video games to the max. Uh, that's We'll be recording a new episode Friday, uh, you know, on Friday night. So it'll be Saturday sometime that'll be up for y'all to listen to on the uh, the podcast. And we'll we'll talk about the Gamescom opening night live and and everything else that's going on on that front. And, of course, check out the rest of the stuff on W2 Network. All of the great stuff Mark Radlis does on the entertainment side. Uh, they are always reviewing what's up to date, um, you know, so getting ready for that Shang-Chi uh, movie to come out on the Marvel end. So, um, you know, make sure you give us a follow at W2 Network on Twitter as well. Go subscribe to at W2 Network or wherever there are podcasts to get everybody's stuff. Or just, you know, you can subscribe to us at Soccer to Max as well. We just appreciate you listening. Thank you for enjoying, you know, for being a part of this. And uh, mm-hmm. hopefully you've liked our return with, you know, a different look at things. Um, well, we'll be back on Tuesday. We definitely have uh, some Weston McKinney news to talk about and definitely some some uh, Rachel will be talking about what's going on with some women's international uh, stuff with additions of tournaments that might actually uh, mean something and not, not just friendlies as we see the women's national team have sometimes. But until then, we'll see you later, everybody. Peace.